You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to a very special Nerd Room live stream. We're discussing the series finale of WandaVision. Myself and Carlos had the astute pleasure of welcoming back the Vigilante 1939 boys to the podcast, to the table to discuss our journey through WandaVision. We started this out together and we are finishing this journey together. The first episodic MCU Disney Plus show is now in the rear view mirror. Gentlemen, Daddy Bats, Nico Zeddy, welcome back to the nerd room. How are you boys doing? Fantastic, man. That was a great opening, by the way. Thank you very much, man. <laughs> that was really cool. Couldn't be better. Very, very excited to uh, to talk about this tonight. We're thrilled. We're excited. And just like you said, we started, we started it together. Yeah. Let's wrap it up together. Can't wait. Yeah. This is going to be a gas. <laughs> there it is. Keep it on, Brandon. We've also got my my good friend here, my dude, Carlos. How's it going? You're sitting there. You're ready to talk some MCU? Yeah, man. Absolutely. I'm always stoked to hang out with these guys. Like, we could be talking about whatever. We could be, yeah, talking about the weather in Chicago versus Calgary, and I'm happy. Daryl Sutter's choice as to which city Darryl he wants to Sutter, go yeah, I, I, I don't yeah, care. This I, connection. Yeah, I <laughs> just today. enjoy these boys. So and uh, Brent, yeah, Se- Brent Seabrook retired, right? Yeah, he yeah. Did. yeah, yeah, he was a, yeah. He's a he's a legend here, but time to move on for him. I was just crying twenty minutes ago, man. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> We're gonna keep that that emotional roller coaster going for you. Here, oh yeah, because yeah. Th- this 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 show delivered a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. for all of us. Both yeah. the emotional, the MCU, the capes, everything had a, a lot of pieces that it had to to put into place as we rounded out this first series that we've seen from the MCU here. And like we talked at when we began this journey together over on, on your podcast there, we talked about kind of the inspiration behind this and how much we were thrilled to see something different being put to the screen Mm -hmm. in the MCU world. The way that this was laid out was unlike anything we had ever seen before. And I would just say it delivered in a different way than any of us had anticipated. So since we sat down last time to discuss WandaVision, a, a lot has changed. We went from knowing absolutely nothing, being thrilled with the format through a roller coaster of a season, coming out the other side now. Let me know how you guys are feeling. And we're going to spool full spoiler territory here. So for those watching, if you haven't seen WandaVision, take a pause. This will be up in the feed. This will be up on YouTube. Come back to it because there's a lot here that we don't want to spoil. But I want to give free reign to the guys here. So overall, overall, Daddy Bats, Nico, we'll go to you guys first. How do you feel about how this series delivered as this first expansion piece of the MCU beyond the big screen? You know what? I'm beyond thrilled. It was, it was, it far exceeded my expectations on any level. I mean, I, me and Nick, we sound like a broken record, but it was probably the most creative thing that the MCU has done. And I'm sad that it's over because it was, it is, and I'm, I'm stealing the lines from my guys. It was appointment TV. And the fact that I don't get to see Elizabeth and Paul and these guys in another episode is a little gut wrenching to me right now. Um, it wasn't perfect, but it was close. Yeah. 
And it was so emotional to tell the story of this young woman who suffered so much grief and trauma and then manifested her anger into the biggest temper tantrum <laughs> that the universe has ever seen. Right. <laughs> and we're along with her the whole way. And there were so many nuances in the series. I thought the supporting cast was great. I, I can pick on a few things in the periphery, like we're going to talk about later that kind of bothered me, mm -hmm. but not enough to, this was a complete success from beginning to end. And it accomplishes the most important thing is that I can't wait to see her further journey. Oh, Vision's further journey, Monica's further journey, and Ralph Boner. <laughs> <laughs> I had to slide that one in there. <laughs> Nico's reaction speaks volumes as to maybe some conversations that happened over there in the Caruso home this <laughs> over the last oh, yeah, three, at three o'clock in the morning. It was morning. It's bad. It's bad. You know, we're trying to make boner jokes at three o'clock in the morning. Father and son. It was in some ways hilarious, in some ways weird. Yeah. Uh, Wow, I have no. <laughs> I have to reset. I don't know how to just go. reset. Um, it was. Uh, well, I can't. I can't. Zenda, go ahead, please. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh man, uh, I gotta agree wholeheartedly. I mean, this thing just really came by storm, right? I mean, obviously, like Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to be the one that came before this, and I really am almost glad that it was mm -hmm. Wandavision that just kicked it off because this whole thing, just with the mystery behind it like i love me a good mystery tv show and just when i thought i had the answer this thing just like mm. took me away and i just found myself just invested into it every week right i mean lizzie olsen and vision were two of the most underutilized characters in the mcu i'm sure a lot of people will agree with that and just like this idea of a, it was a love story but more importantly it was about a battle of somebody's grief and how one really reacts to it so mm. i i would i was just like impaled by like everything that they pulled off because that sitcom feel should not have worked as well as it did no in my opinion so <laughs> this, this was as close to like a show as you can get in modern mcu for me yeah yeah it, it's just so brilliant how they were able like you said to take characters that we likely wouldn't have got this style of expansive storytelling around their origins and what's next for both of them inside of a big screen or big film this to me, I, I fully agree with you guys. This is the way to go with some of these characters. 100%. That you do not get the leeway with a Wanda, a Vision, even a Falcon and Winter Soldier inside of a big $200 million, $150 million movie that you're going to get here. And to be honest mm -hmm. with you, the storytelling doesn't work on a film for a character like Wanda. Maybe going forward with what we see at the end of this, but it's quite impressive that they're able to leverage this type of storytelling now into expanding their brand beyond your big three, big four characters. Now that they're taking somewhat of a backseat in the MCU. So Nico, it looks like you've calmed down. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, very to echo what the two guys here have said. I, I, I completely, I completely agree. This was like, Zeddy said, I'm so glad that this kicked off the MCU Disney Plus era because this is the show to do it with. Um, and what a start they had. I'm not sure. I think it will, but uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier has some tough shoes to fill because does. the theorizing and oh. the weekly talk, hmm. um, I haven't seen that since Game of Thrones. I haven't seen it since Lost hmm. when I was way younger, where not only was it appointment television, but 
you were talking about theories. There was speculation. There were certain characters you liked. There were so many comic book deep dives that people were doing. Like people I know, I consider a lot of people I know general audiences and they were researching who's mm. nightmare who's mephisto who's agatha yeah. harkness and they would not have done this at any other point because i also think this show went a little bit deeper with some of the potential content mm-hmm. than some of the other some of the other some of the other mcu stuff has um but the thing i liked about it the most is if 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 you re- if you really think about it it might be one of the most relatable yes things the MCU ever did. And and there's a subtle line from Monica that I want to get into later that I, 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 I truly think if everyone who watched it thought about it, it might change the show for them forever. When, when she says, I would have done that too. I would have brought back mm-hmm. my mom. There were so many lines throughout the show, but that one, I was like, in that moment, it sort of makes everything she did in a way, in a, sometimes and it's hard to think about it but in a way it made it justified it was almost like monica was telling her it's okay yeah it looks bad there's repercussions you messed up some people because when we grieve we do hurt people we we can hurt people around us when we're hurt right so man i i i give them so much respect for telling a story and focusing on that rather than the next thing even though it sets up stuff but Mm -hmm. they really said here's a Here's B and we're going to get there and you're going to care. And now I, I think Wanda and vision, but Wanda specifically, I think is one of the most developed characters in the MCU right now. I, I, I would put her up there as like in the top three in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. I fully agree with you. And the idea of telling a story too, they spent eight episodes telling a story and mm-hmm. one episode doing the superhero stuff, Yep. which, which for a superhero TV show, it's pretty brave and pretty bold. Yeah. For this type of storytelling. Now, now, Carlos, you've had some ups and downs with this. And I know that last week's episode really swayed some of your opinions. So how did this land holistically for you? Now that we can look back on some of those first episodes and say, yeah, there was a style. They're trying to do something. They're teasing a lot. But now that we got everything contextualized in front of us, how are you feeling about how this whole show landed? I had profound thoughts, but between <laughs> Eric and the Crusoes and the boner jokes, like I'm just kind of <laughs> shell shocked right now. But uh, yeah, no, there's no doubt. Like I was kind of the coolest on it uh, as we progressed through the show, and it didn't always hit for me. But uh, man, episode eight totally changed my mindset, and it really elevated the quality of the product and it caused me to do a bit of a sober second thought and assessment of the show. And uh, in looking back, like it's probably like a top, top three, top five for sure. Comic book show. So yeah, compared to stuff that you watch on HBO, like the wire or whatever, like it wasn't that level of uh, TV, but at the same time, when you're comparing it to other superhero TV, it's right there. Like it's, shoulder to shoulder with stuff like Swamp Thing and The Watchmen and the best comic book TV that we've seen. And then particularly when you get into that eighth episode and that eighth episode, like there was more pathos and mm-hmm. more emotion than you get in entire MCU movies. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, like it's, it's full marks by the end of it for me. And uh, yeah, I, I got nothing but good things to say in retrospect, like that, that eighth episode, it makes the entire journey worth it. Once yeah. you kind of take that walk with her. 
Yeah, it's definitely a special episode, the way they're able to walk through her origin in an organic way and really reflect back on the previous seven episodes and recontextualize the whole thing, the whole series in one Mm -hmm. episode. In 35 minutes or whatever it was of TV, you now justify and understand everything that's gone on from that point forward. And like you said, it adds that emotion to it. In some of these movies, we don't get the emotion that you do in that one episode, but you need the foundation of the previous seven to fully understand and fully consume what they're putting in front of you. And so, yeah, I fully agree with everything that you guys are saying, you know, from this, the first chat that we had about this and my excitement around that, you know, I, I'm the MCU guy. I, I, I kind of love everything they put in front of me, but I do have the ability to step back and say, you know, what is good relative to other things like Carlos put it to. And this, again, it stands top tier. This is masterclass storytelling. And I love the new format for the MCU and I'm excited for it. And I agree with you guys that Falcon Winter Soldier has some shoes to fill. Big shoes. And so, and it's going to be more of a traditional MCU style of storytelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to this, which is, I think, quite unique and special. Yeah. I, I think it'll be more of that grounded mm-hmm. tape. Yeah. More realistic. And whether it could touch this or not, but I think it'll be fine. I think mm-hmm. it's going to oh, I agree. accomplish exactly what it needs to do. So, yeah. I think Falcon and Winter Soldier is safe. The ones that I yeah. kind of worry about how people will view them with how high. WandaVision set the bar is Black Widow mm-hmm. and Loki. For whatever reason, the spider sense is tingling. And I'm like, yeah, nah, I don't know about that one. Like, even our co host Troy, like, he was all in with Loki, but you're kind of done with him. By the time you get to Endgame, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, dude, like, we'll put you to bed. So. Yeah. It's, it feels like a bit of a, a what if almost mm-hmm. I agree what they're going to do with him. And I think we'll touch on some of that towards the end about mm-hmm. our hype level coming out of this. But sure. I, I want to talk to you guys about expectations before we get into any discussion of episode nine here. I want to talk about <laughs> fan expectations. <laughs> a few weeks ago, episode eight or seven, there was a lot of conjecture. There's a lot of discussion about who is this freaking engineer? Oh god! And myself, I partaked in that. I partaked in the theory crafting and having fun with it. But I think some of us have the ability to let some of that go and let that fan theory be fun in the moment. But when the story is delivered to us, accept that and move on. Look, we we had characters, Reed Richards, Blue Marvel, the X-Men in its entirety, both in the MCU and the Fox, Mephisto, Hank McCoy, Nightmare, Doctor Strange, Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland threw his hat or his name into the hat at one point. (laughs) All these names were mentioned throughout the, the duration of this show. And that put this to not only a different level within the Twitter sphere and in the chat around that and the theories going on, but when some of those episodes landed and we didn't see the engineer, it wasn't Reed Richards. I never thought it was going to be Reed Richards, but it wasn't Reed Richards. It wasn't a Fantastic Four. It wasn't a backdoor pilot to the X-Men. There was some people that were let down or felt let down by that. Even the Pietro, which we'll get into. Yeah. It was, it was kind of tossed aside <laughs> and put in front of us in a certain aspect. Yeah, that was a bit of a boner. So <laughs> There it is. It's it's gone. It's gone. Thank you. Thank so, <laughs> I know Nico's oh, wow. not gonna be able to take this right away just because of that. <laughs> so I'm gonna throw it to, to Zeddy here. 
What's your thoughts on expectations and and how people maybe need to readjust a little bit or how we as a as a community need to readjust a little mm -hmm. bit with this type of storytelling, the episodic weekly where we have weeks between or a week between episode drops. And it's a little different than than the film universe where we have maybe a year or a month, but we kind of forget about it after a little bit. This is constantly on the tip of the tongue. By the time you're done theory crafting, it's time for the next episode. I like the episodic mm -hmm. layout, but I think it's a double-edged sword because it gives us a lot of time to throw stuff around. Mm -hmm. And we're spending six mm -hmm. plus hours with these characters now. So, Zeddy, what are your thoughts on expectations going mm -hmm. forward? Yeah, so I actually don't really fault Marvel for this at all because this is, I think, this is the product of what happens when you have a full-blown universe that you have all these characters mm -hmm. kind of rolling around in. And then, you know, on the cinematic side, you kind of have all these different characters popping in each other's movies so i think from a, a fan perspective you know they kind of expect this to happen so when they don't get it it's almost like a wait where's spider-man at wait where's you know like where's so-and-so so i just think that it was it was like they didn't really see it coming which i'm i was guilty of it too i was on twitter i was like oh man toby's gonna pop up in like the last 30 <laughs> seconds of uh episode nine <laughs> yeah yeah it's pizza time you know it um but and again, you know, it's like the more high expectations we set, it's almost like the more down that we're going to be if it doesn't happen. So in the end, we're kind of a victim of our own hype mm -hmm. in a way, because I mean, there was really only one person that I was expecting to see that I thought theoretically made the most sense out of anybody. And that was uh, Dr. Strange. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. which technically he was there. He just wasn't there physically. So I, I would argue. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I know it's um, it's hard. But for what it's worth, I there's always going to be expectation. Yeah. And anyways, yeah, you, you tempered some of my expectations in the past here and you know how much I love to, uh, to build a universe in my head. So going forward, how does, and should Marvel try to skew this towards lowering expectations? There's a couple of tweets that were put out there by some of the creatives saying, you know, don't get too excited about X, Y, and Z and tempering expectations. I, I agree with Zeddy here that, I think they just let it go, right? It's talked about from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then you get to Wednesday and it's like, okay, I'm waiting for WandaVision because X, Y, and Z. So you spend mm -hmm. one day a week where people aren't talking about it. it, it do they need to, to temper those expectations or just let the fan base go? Yeah, I don't... I, I don't know that it's something they actively have to do, but at the same time, like some of the comments about uh, being able to act against somebody that they've always dreamed about acting against, <laughs> and then... And the big one, like, and I actively saw it because I wasn't the theory crafting guy and I'm typically not, but I think we were all together. And when she made that Luke Skywalker cameo comparison, like y'all went nuts. It was crazy. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't know what it could be, but yeah, maybe Toby, but whatever. We'll see what happens. But uh, I think that that kind of started it. And then the fans went nuts. And I do think it was prudent on the part of the showrunners to kind of temper that in advance of today's episode, because even in the face of them saying like people might be disappointed and to get people to kind of put their expectations in check, like there was a lot of shade thrown at the lack of headcanon that came to fruition today. But uh yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think as long as they don't do things to maybe get people's expectations up and not not on the production side of things, but just as long as there's not hints and teases like the two leads made in this case, 
I think the subsequent shows will be totally fine, right? Yeah. And people will be happy to let it play out because I think once they kind of planted the seeds to craft theories, then it just went wild. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, this show in particular, I think found itself in a special space where it left so many threads every week dangling for us. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think as a community too, we pay attention to like every single word. Like when that word was, Oh, I have an engineer friend. And then it was mentioned the next week. We're like, okay, yeah. something's coming. Yeah. And, and when it didn't, it's fine to me. I was like, yeah. And then that was where I had my moments, my aha moment and put myself in my chair and said, look, I can't, I can't be doing this every single week. I can have fun with it, but I can't set myself. Cause I remember sitting with my wife and saying, I don't know what I'm more excited about the episode or the reveal of the engineer. And right there, I was like, Ooh, that probably isn't good. Right. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that probably didn't help is that this was the first MCU thing that we've had after yeah. over a year, right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. anticipation and everybody's chomping at the bit and yeah, it's no. nuts. And ultimately, I think it's good for the brand of Marvel and the MCU, bringing that mm -hmm. sort of the discussion. But but Nick and Nico, did you guys find yourself ever disappointed with anything or the, the lack of, say, an inclusion of someone like Mephisto Nightmare, Doctor Strange? Yeah, I think I, I think I, and I, I had it. I was telling him early. I don't know if some of this was was intentional or not intentional, but I think you have to going forward. They have to control the actors to even saying the littlest things. So for me, I'll just go to that episode when the truck is heading to the area where the engineer is. I was sitting here with my son and my heart was really My bitter. heart, I was sweating. Okay. <laughs> and I think if you listen to our podcast, I, I was guilty of it, right? And when I saw that it wasn't anybody really in particular, and my son called it and said it was a scrawl, that it was, wow. you know, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But I got out of this out of the scene for a moment and I didn't appreciate Monica's mm -hmm. attempt to get into the yeah. hexagon. And it kind of fell flat for me, but but the show was so good that I could separate it and say to myself, what I'm watching is such quality. It's so character driven and so emotional that I was able to take that stuff away from it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I do say to you guys, the first week or two weeks it was out, I think it didn't land well for a lot of people mm -hmm. with the sitcom. And I'm not sure that Kevin Feige or, Maybe some of that stuff was a little intentional to get people interested into it. And then when they did get interested to it, you couldn't help but hang on to it because it was so good. Mm -hmm. But there is a large group that did hang on to everything they said. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're disappointed because you didn't get that, I understand it. It doesn't take away from the core story. But I'm not here to criticize people that went that way, that no. believed and, and felt like they needed because – that's kind of what Marvel does do and they didn't do it here. And that's to their credit that they didn't mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I fell into the trap. I was able to climb myself out. I do have a therapist here that I watch it with that <laughs> would scold me and remind me that that's really not what it's about. Dad, you like the show. You love the show. Get yourself out of that. So that's not the words I use, but I, no. but I think no. it's something like that. It's some much more aggressive. I'm, I'm just kidding. So what's funny about, this question and 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 I'm kind of glad that I went last because I think all of you are right and that all of that is valid. So I do think it could have been a little sprinkled to generate hype. 
I would put actors in check. I also thought it was uncontrollable, thought it was inevitable. It was the first MCU thing, but I'm going to blame something. I'm going to blame the Mandalorian. I'm blaming the Mandalorian because even if like him and I were going, it, it would make sense. It would have to be Luke, right? I won't, I won't believe anyone who said they thought Luke was going to show up. No. <laughs> yeah. We when about Luke that, yeah. showed up and we were with you guys and we said, this means for star Wars, at least everything's on the table, mm-hmm. right? Every single thing, because he, of all the untouchable Star Wars characters, he was one. He was the number one guy. So then, like, WandaVision's fun, right? And yes, the actors start teasing, which I'm I'm with you all. I, I think, I don't know, at the same time, like... I don't know if Elizabeth Olsen like knows or cares about the Luke Skywalker cameo. Yeah, so yeah. She, you're just like, yeah, it's going to be like that one. Yeah, right. You, you know what I mean? But at the same time, watching WandaVision, when someone said it might be Reed Richards, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm also like, yeah, man, but we got Luke Skywalker CGI. I mean, what can they do? Like, yeah, what yeah. if they just filmed it last week and they put him in somehow? I'm like, yeah. so, but. I also think we have our answer already. I think so many people were tempered by WandaVision that they're going to be more cautious in the mm, future. Like I, I think like he like three times and, and, and it's fine. It's okay. Three different scenes last night, something happens on screen and he turns to me and goes strange. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. And he's like, Oh, Strange here, and I'm like, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I was looking for strange. <laughs> I was too, man. It's and I'm like, listen, Tim, but, but where funny. was he? He's the sorcerer supreme. But like, what's funny is like, why? Could they least do why? But what's funny, and then I'll wrap up because I had on the ramble. For yeah. some reason, you couldn't like. So I removed it and was fine, and I'm yeah. here to this day fine. But like. When it cuts to the scene where it shows all the ruins and like Agatha's trying to do her powers and it starts to slowly pan, I'm like, is Cumberbatch behind her? Like, come on, man. Yeah, and he's like, like holding himself. her. And I'm like, I can't find it. He's got his hand on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I can't find it. Oh, even there if were, you were multiple moments in multiple this, moments where he I was, was like, strange. Straight, even the Alaska end credit scene, I was like, okay, this is where he is. This he's is in the cabin. He's in the cabin. He's making the tea. He's brewing the tea. I was right there with you. But yeah. I think I think the, the big takeaway here, and I think it's a great and a very astute observation on your part, Nico, about the Mandalorian. Because you have to rewind that too. Not only do we get Luke, it's like Ahsoka, Bo Katan, yeah. Boba Fett. You know, it's just everyone, like this parade yeah, of right, right, cameos <laughs> that uh that put you on on the hot seat or put that show on the hot seat with regards to who can they include? Because you look at Endgame, you look at anything that they've done, there's no limitations. No, no, no. You, know, you go to mm-hmm. early phase two and it's like, okay, we're going to separate everyone out. But post Winter Soldier, it's like anyone could be in any movie. We can pull Ruffalo in for 10 days. We can pull Hemsworth. <laughs> whomever. It doesn't matter. Yep. Right. And so like the, the cuffs were off there. And I, I like that, that observation around the Mandalorian because it was a literal parade of cameos through that whole season and high-end cameos yeah like the biggest people ever. yeah so yeah no yeah i think you're right too that the 
the tempering of the fan base now yeah. with the end of WandaVision and all that, that going to Falcon Winter Soldier, let's not expect Evans in every episode, right? Like he's not, he's not, coming. I don't know, man. <laughs> I still might do it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll get uh, let's go's Chris Evans in there. He'll pop up oh. and we'll get, there he is. I would, love <laughs> I would love if he showed up in there. <laughs> not Chris Evans. There is one person I'm expecting though in the Winter Soldier, a young lady, but we'll talk about that later. From, oh, a no, movie, I can't wait. from a movie that hasn't come out yet. Oh, uh, because she was rumored to be on Florence the set. Pugh? Yep. Florence oh Pugh. yeah. That would, that would make sense. I would, I would be really disappointed if we don't see her having not saw her yet in black widow, It's in my head which is now. weird, which is weird. <laughs> it's but there we'll planted. It's in my head. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's move on to, to episode nine. The, the final, it was called the series finale on Disney plus. Yeah. My wife pointed out mm-hmm. when I said, okay, the season finale. She said, Nope. Series finale. And so this is putting basically a bookend to her story in this format. You know, WandaVision has a future in the MCU, but it doesn't exactly look like it's going to be on Disney Plus in the same style of episode. You can't really replicate this in any way. Hmm. But coming into to episode nine, we've gone through our feelings and how we felt the build was and the execution and, and everything going on with the show. But let's focus on this episode in particular. They had a lot to do for this concluding chapter of this story. They had mm-hmm. to usher these characters to a satisfying conclusion. I think that's something that I want to want to talk about too, is the ability to conclude a TV series and move on into the big screen. You have to bring these characters to a close. You can't leave everything on a massive cliffhanger. I'm going to put that into the universe there. But of course, they also have their next story. Nice one. Nice one. <laughs> was that subtle <laughs> enough for everyone? <laughs> like that Those would be their... just stupid. Uh, <laughs> Kevin's Carlos like, he's and not I stupid. immediately caught that. Carlos and yeah. I caught that at the same time. <laughs> but these stories have other, or these characters have other stories to be told in the MCU. And so they also have to be left in a way where it's open enough that we can see these characters pop up like Wanda in the multiverse of Matt. This vision, I'm not sure where he shot off to, but he will be back in some way. But that's the character I want to start off with here. We're going to kind of go we'll walk through the plot a little bit, walk through some of the characters, some of the big moments. But let's start with vision here. We ended episode eight with a, a massive, an absolutely massive end credit scene and the, the reveal of the white vision, the sword white vision, which for all of us comic fans that popped us all big time. What are we going to see from this character? Now, as he walks into the Hex and he has this inevitable battle with the Hex version or the materialized version of Vision, the Vision that we know from this show, but not the true Vision. Hmm. And we have kind of a, a bit of a punchy-punchy here. But to be honest with you, I found that Vision himself, like that small arc, took a bit of a back seat and kind of played out in the sky above us. And didn't really get. There's some really close or touching moments in there with Vision and himself, but mm-hmm. I, I felt myself lacking just a little bit. If I had to criticize this episode a bit, it's Vision. He didn't get the the pure, I guess, detailed storytelling that Wanda got. Yes, it was her show, but Vision's also in the title, and he's had a big part to play here. Mm-hmm. So, Zeddy, what are your what are your mm-hmm. thoughts here on on Vision, both White Vision, Old Vision, New Vision? And where this character could go in the future. Wanda's vision. Yeah, Wanda's, Wanda's vision. vision. Mr. Ah, Clean Vision. <laughs> I like that one. That's one I haven't I haven't seen before. Uh I so I'm kind of with you, Tim. I thought the vision parts in the episode were kind of the weakest parts for me. Now, I dug the whole dialogue between them. Like I mm-hmm. thought that was like one of the most emotional beats of like 
this Westview vision trying to get through the other vision. And I dug like how he was the one because it was essentially like it was the manifestation of Wanda that ultimately like jugged vision's memory back. Yeah. In a sense. Right. Cause that's Westview vision. He's not actually real. He's uh, an essence of Wanda almost essentially a memory. So, a memory of Wanda. So that part, I actually like that part hit me like that part. I got like that. That was awesome. Uh, my gripe was more so what happened after the fact. So kind of like you just said, Tim, where it's like, so Vision's memory gets restored, and then he almost just, like, flies away, and he's, like, nowhere to be seen. And then I thought it was, like, odd that, like, Westview Vision wouldn't mention that to Wanda at all. But, you know, and I get it. Like, there were other things going on. The inevitable goodbye was happening. But, like, from a story, like, standpoint, like, what was going on in my head, I was like, so is Westview Vision going to, like tell Wanda that hey, so I yeah I jugged his memory back and uh, I'm not really gone forever, you know. But like I I get it. Like that's again mm -hmm. that's expectation. Like we just talked about. So that's like headcanon. But uh, for for what it's worth, I thought like the ending scene between them was just like was probably the most like gut wrenching scene in the MCU that we've seen yet. And to think that that may not be the last that we see of them either. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's that that moment that they have. Yeah, is undercut a little bit by you thinking in the back of your head. Wait, I, I thought this other vision, this new white vision, has the memories of the old vision. So, what's going on here? And letting that memory fade, I think, is an important step for Wanda in the mm -hmm. arc of all of this. Is that she basically has to take it all back because in the absence of that, I don't think you get a, a solid conclusion to Wanda's story. But you still have this dangling in the background. Well. What, what about this guy? Nick, Nico, what did you guys think about, about Vision and, and how they close this character out and how they utilize the white Vision to give us some of that superhero face-to-face, -face, the, the stuff that we're looking for, the action that wasn't at all a focus in the show? Yeah, so for me, the biggest question I had going into it, one of the biggest ones was what are they going to do with the Vision? Mm. I actually, in my head, didn't think any of them were going to make it out. I thought they were going to destroy each other. Mm. Um, the dialogue that he has with him about the ship yeah, that's was so profound and beautiful. And the fact that you have this white vision who's only programmed his one mission and he's able to process that. And then, of course, the Westview vision focuses on him and he lets him see everything, all of, all of his memories. So for me... I am elated that we're going to see the vision again. Yeah. It was enough for me. I agree mm -hmm. with you guys. They could have done a little bit more, but in my mind, it was one of the things I walked out of the episode saying like, at some point they're going to reconvene. They're going to have their, um, their moment together again, and that there will be a vision going forward in the MCU. Cause I didn't think that. Yeah. The, the totally on board with that a hundred percent. Um, I, I chalked it up to the th dialogue between them was incredible and was my third favorite thing in the episode. Um, but because I count, um, <laughs> I, I will say, I think the, the action stuff as cool as it was, was a little quick. Yeah. And that's when I went, Oh, they fell into the traditional season finale grope where there's like, Trope, not grow. Trope. Trope. Excuse me. Where, 
where like they set it up and then it happens and it's kind of quick and then it's sort of gone and it has a cool resolution, but you're like, okay, mm. that was sort of fast. Mm. I will say, cause I was talking to Zeddy about this er- earlier. Cause he brought up a-, a good point. Like, why didn't he then come back? Why did he leave? I yeah. think, and this is a big guess and a big, like giving the, the writers maybe more credit than like I'm overselling them. Uh, but with, some of their other stuff on the show, I don't think I could oversell them enough. They're what a writing team they had. Shout out mm-hmm. to them. Um, I think maybe he knew it's going to take him time to come back. True. And I think Westview Vision like knew he's got to go. And I think Westview Vision at that point knows he's going to be gone because mm-hmm. Juan has got to get out of this thing. And when this thing goes, I go. So it's almost like, go, you'll come back. Maybe you'll find her and I'm going to go watch her and I'll do the last stand with her and whatever happens, happens. So, and maybe when he's about to go, he thinks that she needs to be by herself. So that was me, but it's hard to not think if he gets the memories and was seeing them all, why doesn't white vision go there? But There's an entire story to be told there again. Too, yeah. With, yeah. With exactly. And they, this is potentially the cliffhanger that they leave yeah. you with outside yeah. of the two mid credit scenes, which are intentionally there for that purpose. No, no, Carlos, Bettany was your guy through most of this. Absolutely. Did he deliver in this with playing against this actor that he had been wanting to act against for his whole career? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Like, uh, this was by far my favorite part of this episode. Like this episode was a bit of a step back for me from the height that we reached with episode eight. But uh, yeah, like I think the seeds and one of my favorite scenes of the show was in episode seven. And ironically it had the nails on a chalkboard Darcy in it when they're in the van and, and he's kind of going through the steps as to what his reality is and what he's constituted of. And then you have the conversation that he has with the new vision, the ship of thesis vision mm-hmm. or in that, what is he right? And he's talking about the pieces of him that have been replaced. And he kind of has that conversation where he's like, you ultimately will be made of me, but you will not be just as I'm not the original vision. And he even kind of says that the original vision was a construct as well. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's amazing. And I think more than anything else, like this sets up um, where they're going to take these two characters going forward, because as much as people know Wanda and vision together, Mm -hmm there's almost enough like as much time of the two of them apart and opposed to each other where one is pining for the other and the other half is like, no, I want nothing to do with this because it's mm. unhealthy and you are not the vision or Wanda that I know, or you're not right in the head and you need to get to where you need to be before we can be together. So I think it sets up some really interesting things going forward. And if they have, like grand scale conflicts with each other or even small conflicts with each other. And uh, yeah, I I'm here for it. Like, I think it's great. And um, yeah, Eric, I love you, but Darcy is terrible. So uh, <laughs> she was sorry, better man. in this than she was in Thor of the dark world. I can say that 
with oh, the God. utmost certainty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, no. no it, it's this. This is why I love podcasting. This is why I love having this conversation because I already feel different after hearing you guys talk for the last three minutes about the vision arc than I did when I started this piece of the conversation. <laughs> it's and the beauty of it. What what triggered me here was when Carlos said, you know, about them having stories apart. Yep. And you find in sitcoms themselves, if you're constantly writing in circles with two characters, a love interest usually in particular, that you get to a ground where it's like, we can't do anything more with these characters together. We mm-hmm. have to separate them and they, they have apart. to go on their own journeys mm-hmm. and they have the time apart. Because if we kept going to every Avenger film or every, with Wanda and Vision, they're arguably two of the most powerful Avengers. And then what do you what do you do with these characters? Mm-hmm. You've had their send-offs in, in various ways or their separations or their goodbyes. And yes, they will come back together, but it's going to be different because these characters have evolved. Yep. And it, it, it's I, I really, really like this conversation for that exact thing. Is Now I have a, a completely different picture in my head here of of what they're going to do in the future and we didn't need that happy ending we kind of got that happy ending with the two of them with them saying goodbye but it's about what's next and setting these characters up for success in the future in the mcu so brilliant work guys brilliant work wow (laughs) so what you're saying is you're not going to have the white vision marvel legend with the scarlet witch marvel legend on your shelf you're going to have them separate from each other yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be in different parts, man. Be, <laughs> <laughs> Mine are chronologically through the movie order too. There you so go. <laughs> I gotta find a place to put WandaVision now beside uh, Endgame here. <laughs> now, before we get to two of our main characters, the uh, the witches in this particular episode or the series, let's talk about some of the periphery characters here. And I, I I've been I want to throw this one out there because I, I'm gonna wait on this. I want to throw a Pietro. I'm not gonna go straight to, to my dudes nico and nick here because i, I gotta hear some of this yeah we, the, the whole x-men thing that was really oh really lit on fire a couple episodes back with evan peters almost called him chris evans evan peters showing up on the doorstep it it blew a lot of this theory crafting and that's what really i think revved it up was his presence. And I'm, I'm happy to say that I always sat on the side that this has nothing to do with Fox X-Men. This has nothing to do yeah. with multiverse or anything like that. And we get a, I think a solid and almost comical conclusion to Fiatro in this with, with the Ralph Boner reveal and the reveal <laughs> that he's been controlled via this necklace through Agatha the whole time. He's actually the husband that she's been referring to yep. in, in kind of having him penned up here until he's ready to do his work. So the the tease here and the giant wink that the writers threw at this, I to me, to, that's just masterclass writing. It is a, <laughs> a big old wink. Does, does that did that land for you guys? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, not for me, because here's the situation. Like I was I generally found him to be so engaging in the couple episodes he was in, in the chemistry that he had with Wanda. Now I will say this. I didn't necessarily have a problem. I don't have a problem with it not being the Fox Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have preferred that he would might, might've been one from another multiverse because as Kevin Feige said, this sets up the other movies. So I had that in my mind. Then it became pretty clear to me that he wasn't going to be that. And I was still trying to figure out how can they still keep him mm-hmm. in the MCU? Because I think his personality and the way he played the role fits oh, yeah, it's great. forward. He, yeah. he should be a part of 
the Avengers, a sword or whatever's going forward. So I finally said to myself, look, going into the last episode, he's probably nobody. That's fine. I had a, a really bad time with how they did it with him, with the joke. I thought it was cringeworthy, in poor taste, disrespectful. It just didn't land for me. It was almost a, was, as big of a wink as the. I was a, yeah, and it, and, it, and it was it was such a misdirect. My son met it. That's fine. I get it, but I don't know why. I think they're going to look back at this because I I always look at this um, season finale, series finales, the writers, and they'll always whether it be Lost or some other show, they'll always say a couple things they wish they could have changed. I would have preferred that when he comes to. You know, maybe he's just like, where am I? What happened? And Monica's like, you're going to be okay. Don't worry. But they played him like such a dolt. And I just didn't like it. I'm sorry. It didn't It didn't ruin the episode for me. And mm -hmm. everything was also so great. And if we never see him again, we never see him again. It's not going to stop me from delving deep into the future of these characters and what's coming. But I, I didn't think it was good. See, when they first cast him, because that was like a thing, like people kind of knew he was doing it um, early, early, like when they were doing production. I remember some of like the not trades, but some of like the more credible scoopers were like, oh, yeah, he's in WandaVision. And, and that's why he's being asked about it on the Apocalypse uh, or not Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix uh, press tour. So, uh, so I originally thought going into the show, he's the meta casting. Right. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, oh, he's Quicksilver. We couldn't get Aaron Taylor Johnson. You like this guy better. You're going to like when he's in there. It's going to be funny. And then he's going to be no one, which I was fine with. He was so good in episode six that I'm like, I, I want this guy to never leave. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I want him to stay on the show. But, so Tim, I was with you. I said, I don't, I would not that I wouldn't prefer, but I hope he's not the Fox one. Because then the biggest writing hole is, well, why don't you just bring all of them over mm -hmm. then? And open them why would much. he stay? Yeah. And why would it's he not go worms. back? Because right. he could just say, anytime I have like the, the strongest people in our world Let me go get that, are, that are going to come here and help you guys. So I'm like, that's not, that's not what they're going to do. And then I'm like, maybe he's a Quicksilver from a different multiverse. And then the way episode eight went, I'm like, I don't think they're going to do the <laughs> I, like I, I don't think the multiverse is a thing yet. Because then I started going, well, when they announced this, there was still some – Scott Derrickson was still attached to Doctor Strange 2. That went south. And then Spider-Man 3, this concept, I'm telling you, was not even a thing yet. That yeah. was It, it was going to be Peter on the run, and that's what that movie 100%. was. Yeah. And that's why John Watts is directing course. Fantastic Four because the real director of Spider-Man 3 is Sam Raimi. He's doing the both at the same time. <laughs> um, I'm serious. <laughs> like, you guys think I'm kidding. I'm serious. So when it happened, I went into the episode going, he's the meta casting. I'm fine with all of it. I, I just don't like the joke. I, I don't like the joke because it like it. You're right, Tim. It's masterclass writing of a misdirect. And I went, they got me. Ralph Boner. I'm like, God. Yeah, I, I will on. hand I will hand you that. Like and I, I love know, we're not, mm -hmm. that doesn't offend me. It wasn't offensive to no. me. I just wanted more for the character. I would yeah. have loved for him just to have a moment like, I don't know what happened, you know, just yeah. so, and Monica, who was, was great. We'll talk about her. Like you're okay. It's going to be okay. That's all. It was just like, I, it was, it was, it was Josh Sweden 
Justice League. <laughs> it was Iron Man three, the Mandarin to me. It just was, it just was weird, weird. The other thing I'll say real quick is you said that they're going to look back. I, I think they're going to look back in maybe a different way of, I think they got a little too cute with it because just like we said, just the expectation, right? When you, they could have told us when they cast him, he's not going to be anyone. It is going to be a meta casting. People saw him as Quicksilver there. And now he's Quicksilver here. And I think he's him and I can't unsee it because he's so damn good. You know what I mean? So maybe he really is him. So I think it's one of the rare things Kevin Feige will look back on and say, "Ah, oh, we got too cute." But then how could you not use them? It's Pietro. You needed a Pietro, so it was like a. Yeah, it's it's funny because looking at the comments here, there's very few people that are sitting on my side of this one. I, I, I get Eric, but you know, Ian Emmett, Chris, all these guys are, are looking at this as being not landing for them. And I, and I don't know if it's the character itself, the X Men, the big wink on that end of things. Or if it's the way that you're almost taken out, I kind of chuckled at it. And was like, it, it was kind of weird just yeah. calling him Ralph Boner. Like it, it just seemed odd <laughs> to throw it out there. Which side of yeah. this discussion do you sit on, Zeddy? Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of like with like with everybody here, where it's like I gotta agree with with, with, my, with my girl Monica in the episode where she was like Ralph Boner. <laughs> like 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 that like that's almost the way it kind of landed for me. Yeah. Where it was like, a, oh, of course, right? Like so. Because, I mean, if anybody was going to cross over, I did think that it was Evan Peters Quicksilver. I just dug the dynamic that he had with Wanda, too. And I kind of liked it because it's not like we were really ever attached to Aaron Taylor's Johnson. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver. Whoa, speak so, for yourself. Speak I mean, for yourself, bro. You well, know, you know. You I kind of like my friends at the club. You know, so, They play best disco music all Europe. Hey, bro. man. You want to dance with your girl? <laughs> yeah, you want to dance with her? Look how sexy she is. <laughs> I just want the rest of the podcast to be him talking like that. Oh, oh like a bottle god. of uh Grey Goose. <laughs> yeah, oh, right, right, yeah. Bottle service. Oh, god, yeah, Bobby bottle service. The oh. best vodka, only best vodka <laughs> yeah. for me and my <laughs> girls. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> they do make good vodka there. I'll switch to Borat then. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the yeah, great success. <laughs> Sorry, Zeddy. Zeddy, Zeddy, no, no, no. Go ahead. Cause Zeddy was Finish, Zeddy. Come on. Zeddy was I, I already lost my uh, train of thought. I can't even uh, follow that up. Save it. Come on. Oh, come you on, got man. it. No. You got it. Come on. I lost my train of thought. That's too on. good. You contrast <laughs> two different Pietros. We've got a non-Pietro or Fietro. Fietro. And we've got... Aaron Taylor, your European bro. For those that don't know, maybe ex- uh, expand on that a little bit because that out of context. <laughs> can someone pull up a picture of a Euro bro just so I can? <laughs> yeah, no, just a, a couple uh, episodes of the Nerd Room ago. I was yeah. talking about my love of the Euro bro, Aaron Taylor Johnson version of uh, Quicksilver because we all know that guy. We, he's, we know <laughs> he he's shouldered. Each and every one of us at the club <laughs> at some us. point of time, mm-hmm. right? And maybe like wanted to start some beef and then becomes your best friend if he sees oh. your crew or starts intimidating <laughs> you, moving in on your girl. We, we I all... tell you one quick story, Carlos. I was in the entertainment business for a long time and I owned a, a nightclub, a live <sighs> venue. And I got to tell you, man, there was this one guy that would come in <laughs> with the bill. 
And every night he had 15 problems during the course of the night. Yeah. But he was a good spender. He was a great customer. He was a regular for years. But he would always go up to my guys and invariably have a problem with everyone in the club at some point. But it's it's always, like, I didn't do anything. You got to pick him out. There's going to be a problem. Would you be like, okay, yeah, it'll be all right. Go have another drink or whatever. Walking to the bath. I mean, all night long, he pointed out people that he had a problem with. And that is PHO. <laughs> there we go, right? How many times did he show up with the Kappa tracksuit? Oh, <laughs> several times during the weekdays. So I gotta show you guys that was picture. his modus operandi. I gotta show you guys a picture. My dad was rocking a full black Adidas tracksuit like last week, and I wanted to share it. Soprano is beautiful. It's going to become my favorite tangent ever on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and his chest hair was on full display. It was hilarious. <laughs> it's very oh. comfortable to watch WandaVision <laughs> and they had a fire. Amazing. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> Amazing. I think that needs to be the show art for, for this episode. <laughs> I need that photo. Oh, but anyway, oh, man. Tim, we've all been shouldered by a PHO several times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that one up. I think the jury is still out on whether or not this was a good decision. But I will say, I, I that gif of Agatha Harkness, that big wink, oh, God. that to mm. me, that yeah. explains this entire Fiatro yeah, fiasco, yeah. if you want to call it that. But but Zeddy, I gotta I gotta come back to you here for a second. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about Monica. You mentioned her; she had a moment mm. with Fiatro. But she, she in herself, after having a a big origin story reveal in episode seven, was it episode eight, episode seven? Mm -hmm. She kind of took a back seat hmm. in the subsequent episodes, episode eight and nine. They they refocused on Wanda, which I think is a good decision, and she played a very very minor part going forward mm -hmm. in WandaVision through the the penultimate and the the final episode here. So we, we get a little display of her power set. And there's, we're going to talk about this a little later, the end credit and what we think it means. But, but Monica Rambeau, she became uh, a, a real focal point for a while. And like I said, died off a little bit. Do you think that was the right decision to build that character up and have her take a back seat and fire into Captain Marvel 2? Or would you have preferred her to play a larger role in the, the finale here? I think it's it's probably a little bit of both because while I do think that it was important to kind of set her up to have this larger role kind of in Captain Marvel 2 and maybe even beyond, I totally see her like having this like moral compass role in the MCU just because as a character throughout the show, she just made everything feel so grounded to me. It's almost like when she, was, when she wasn't on screen, I was almost taken out of it a little bit because I was like, I want more Monica Rambeau. Like mm -hmm. she's just... She's just incredible. Like, like what she was doing with Wanda, I thought was great. Where she like she really believed in Wanda. And I love that now they're really always connected in a way. Mm -hmm. So I on a sense, I, I did kind of like get taken aback that Monica wasn't more involved with helping out Wanda. Uh, but I I did kind of really dig that little discourse that they had kind of at the end where it's like mm -hmm. uh it's not a goodbye, but it's like a see you down the road kind of type thing a little bit. So yeah, that was uh, I was a little actually. Monica was probably the part that I was the most let down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carlos, what about you? We we both felt that that Monica made the sword stuff a little bit more digestible. The sword stuff outside 
of mm-hmm. the the hex in that that we felt at times it was very much agents of shield esque the way that it was being portrayed and i found that monica and jimmy woo that nice tandem that tag team i think for me it did a lot it delivered a lot and monica i think they took the character to a point where she could take off into captain marvel 2 hype level for captain marvel 2 now that knowing monica's origin and the yeah. fact that she's going to be a bigger part of this change your hype level because I, I know you're 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 a big fan of captain marvel <laughs> yeah yeah i was Eric Holzman. yeah <laughs> I, in fact i was gonna fly to new york and watch captain marvel 2 there because uh you know that's how that's how much i love the first one he's the only other guy that's uh, on the same level but uh yeah no she's her presence and her involvement in captain marvel 2 has has me from uh i'll wait till disney plus uh, got to be their opening night kind of thing because she was phenomenal in this i think they kind of lost their way a little bit with her character Mm -hmm. um not that they gave tiana anything weird to do or that she didn't uh act any scenes well but it's the thing for me was her motivation to help wanda was always kind of weird because she was willing to die for this woman, but they never really delved into why. They kind of give you this throwaway as to, well, I would do anything to save my mother too. But it's like, well, you are a member of a, a government agency and you're, you, you conceivably, and your mother certainly did, sign up to protect the citizens of the United States. So how can you abide by one person holding a couple thousand of them hostage and like truly hostage? So it was kind of weird how invested she was into saving Wanda. Whereas, I, I, I don't know, and that might have been a, some of the fallout of setting up the she, the sword bad guy or the director of sword is to being a bad guy, which was also kind of weird. Because it's like, well, why would the FBI arrest this guy if he's been tasked with rescuing the citizens of Westview? which conceivably to me would mean like taking out Wanda would be okay. Right. So yeah, that whole thing kind of played out weird and it might be a testament to how well uh, Tiana Paris played Monica Rambeau mm-hmm. that you kind of forgot about that because she made the character so compelling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to see more of her. I, I do think that, the actress transcended what they gave her to work with yeah. in the show because it got, it, it kind of got lost in the wheels for me in the weeds for me. So, mm-hmm. well, and it's, it's interesting too, because walking into this, we all knew who she was playing, but I, I didn't expect the, the amount of ties and development of that character mm-hmm. and a, a pseudo prelude to Captain Marvel two yeah. built mm-hmm. into this. It doesn't feel like it's, they they're kind of one in the same one division, the story they're telling there and what they're doing there. And I think most of it lands for me. And I think it, it kind of gives a nice baseline for that character. They don't have to spend 15 minutes in a Captain Marvel two explaining an origin and all that. You can kind of hit the ground running a bit with that character, assuming most people see WandaVision going into this. So Crusoe Bros, you, you guys seem to be uh, quite amped up now for, for Captain Marvel two, because of the work they do in this show with Monica Rambo and her. And I think at this point, let's get into that post credit. Cause it's focused in and around, Monica and I want to give you the dues where they are due, and that is to to Nico for for calling the scrolls and yeah. having some inclusion in this show, which I don't think was on anyone's radar. Yeah, I um, <laughs> thank you. 
Um, it was like my eighth guess, so I, I feel like I will take credit. But not Richards, it's not at that, point, <laughs> at that point, I, I was through so many guesses um, that it was inevitable that one was going to stick. No, so so just a quick a quick thing on that is we watched you watched Captain Marvel for the first time prior to episode mm-hmm. seven, seven. Yep. Yep. And um, we, so we watched that. Watch WandaVision at two in the morning, and then we were recording our podcast Saturday, and I. I forgot because I hadn't seen it since the theater at that point, which was, you, you know, two marches ago. And I'm like, wow, they, they, there's a lot of dialogue with young Monica in, in that movie. She, she sort of, it's, it's, it's not like she does a lot, but she's a part of a lot. Mm-hmm. And then we rewatched the episode before the podcast. And as she's going through the hex, they're replaying the scenes of when she's talking to Carol like she's the she's Lieutenant Trouble and she's the, the toughest kid. And then you hear Talos's voice, and I was like, "Who would she call the Scrolls? She's known them her whole life." Yeah. And then Sword at the end of Far From Home, he's Fury. I'm like, "Oh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be the Scrolls. All those people were Scrolls." Because then she says her mother would be proud, and her mother probably started Sword with the Scrolls because she helped find them a new Earth mm-hmm. with or a new home with Bree. So I'm like, "Oh, it's gonna be a Scroll." And then it was, and I was kind of like awesome but also like damn it but also like awesome um but no i'm i'm, I'm really hyped for captain marvel 2 because it's no secret i do not care for that film he doesn't either not that we always agree but i knew when i showed him it there's worse ways to spend two hours but should have showed him something else probably um her being in there, I think is going to elevate that movie a lot because i thought just like you both said she transcended what they gave her to do and I almost wasn't bothered by how what happened with her because the minute I was halfway through the episode and I went, okay, so she was her sole purpose in here is to be in Captain Marvel 2. Like that was the thing they did mm. to set up. And I said, okay. And they did a really nice job the first half of like making it work. Mm. It's organic. Before, yeah. yeah, it was so organic. And I think that's credit to Taylor Paris as well. Then the finale happens and you're like, oh, so she was in here for that post credit scene. But I want to give credit where it's due. She saves the kids. She saves the kids. Because Hayward's a terrible she shot. She saved the kids from being man. shot. What a bad shot he yeah, was. Yeah, man, he's awful. But she the saves kids the are kids. Over here. <laughs> shoots right at her. Shout out to Tommy. And he also unloaded a clip into a woman standing he in did. front of him and two yeah. kids. Exactly. Yeah, no one's talking about that. Hold on. <laughs> and then looked at his gun being like, what's wrong with my gun? Like, Just kept on, shooting, man. Like, but she saved the kids. Yeah. Thank you, Monica, for saving the kids because it's all for the children. Kids saved her. <laughs> yeah. well, they, he, he threw the last one down, but she caught all those first ones. I'm thinking she she's going to upstage Brie Larson in her own movie. She so, will. She oh, will. It's going to be interesting here. You know, a couple things that I want to touch on. I wonder if Carlos, she felt close to Wanda because when she was in the hex the first time that she was able to process Wanda's grief. And then when she comes out of it, maybe that's why she felt like she understood Wanda and wanted to protect her. That's kind of like how I made sense of that, like why she's so, why she fought for Wanda. But I thought I didn't buy really how close she is with Wanda at the end because I I was hoping she was going to fight with her for her and a sister more. And Mm -hmm. so I do, I do believe just like you said, they didn't know what to do with her in those last few episodes and that then the sole purpose did become 
to set up Captain Marvel too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it it's a nice bridge, and I like seeing the scrolls. Like they, they've popped up a few times now. I'm I'm a big fan of the scrolls. We've got Secret Invasion on the horizon. We've got mm-hmm. Captain Marvel two, maybe a sword show at some point down the road. I think the scrolls are going to play a more integral part in phase four, phase five, as we build into some of this than maybe some of us are expecting. And I think Captain Marvel two threw me a bit because I expected the scrolls to be the villains of of a story. And we might get that with secret invasion down the road, but at this point they're more allied than foe, which Mm -hmm. I'm intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think Monica's the, the end of it, or at least last two episodes, it's more, let's show off a bit of her power set. Let's get her to that point where we can go almost full, get in your suit and let's go mm-hmm. in Captain mm-hmm. Marvel 2. And, and I'm okay with that. I think they have to do some of that groundwork and all that. We see it in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in from almost every movie in the MCU. They lay groundwork for things that are a little askew from the story at hand. It's the focal point of it. And I think to me, it, it's good ways to leverage the screen time that they do have. And we've got another great character in the mcu Mm. for us for us to watch in the future no doubt about that Mm -hmm. now this whole show came to a a very interesting crescendo i'll say by episode eight by more deeply integrating and almost retconning in a way wanda's power set to being magic to being something that we are a little familiar with with dr strange and it's closely associated with that character but we haven't seen it applied in this way to Monica before. And we talked in our last podcast, Carlos and I, about how we really felt that that retcon does a lot for that character. And it gives her, and I think we see towards the end of this, it gives her a bit of a container to put herself in as far as controlling that power set, explaining it, and also having a direction to go with it. It's Mm -hmm. not just this kind of omnipresent power set that Bendis used in the past to just do really whatever. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. gives it a direction, whether that's dark or light, we'll see. But but Carlos, you, you've had some fun with The Witcher in the last couple of weeks and bringing forward and bringing through this this line, this narrative of a proper witch for both Agatha and and Wanda. How does that momentum continue for you for you into this? And also the idea that Agatha herself is really the villain of this now they needed someone to oppose that they had the magic battle but how did all of that land coming off of last week's reveal for you man for me like it comes down to the most important thing a over e agatha over every other fan theory (laughs) (laughs) so like yeah like i said on our episode man i'm super happy that they just went with making wanda a full out witch mm-hmm. and really establishing a new facet of the magical side of the MCU yeah. because you don't have a lot of players in that side. Right. And this way you'll have Dr. Strange having his own unique allies and uh, adversaries. And I think it gives her a little more agency and a little more freedom uh, as opposed to just dumping her in the mutant side of things. And like yeah. I said, her, her as a mutant, based on her power set is always kind of weird right like i i like my mutants to be a extension of naturally occurring phenomenon it it can be fantastical sure but like hex powers and things of that nature no so to take her this route amazing Mm -hmm. amazing so 
yeah, I, I'm all for it. And I think with where they're going with stuff with the dark hold and whatnot, like yeah. it can factor into mm-hmm. laying the groundwork for blade. It can play out in any number of things. So yeah. And she's pretty fierce by the end of it. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, that that shot of her in in Bruce Banner's cabin in British Columbia or wherever that was, <laughs> she looked badass, man. And yeah, yeah so it'll be uh, it'll be cool to see where they take her. But I, if I'm gonna applaud any kind of superhero-y stuff that they did in this show, it's that head and shoulders above everything else was mm-hmm. to just strip away all the nonsense over her 50, 60 years around and just give us, I'd argue, the coolest version of the character yeah. thus far. Yeah, yeah. I, I love what they did there. Zeddy, Egg the mm-hmm. Harkness, the witching, all this, her as a villain for this. Mm-hmm. We were searching for a big bad for a long time. And I personally was convinced that Wanda was going to be the villain of her own story. But Agatha does take a bit of a turn here and is looking for more of that that personal use for the magic and we we get some really cool witching battles i don't know if that's what we want to call them and and a lot of it in this mm-hmm. and i can tell you honestly when they're fighting and i'm seeing wanda's hand go black i'm like i'm, I'm, ha- I'm having some moments here i'm like oh i, I don't want her to lose her power set and walk into the show with no powers like, what are they doing how, mm-hmm. how did all that how did all that work for you Mm-hmm. I thought I thought it worked great because I mean I always you know me I always like to uh, throw the DC comparison because I'm a because I love to do that because I remember originally when we did our first episode I was like this is perchance a dream like somebody's pulling the strings or somebody's making her do this now I'm thinking this is like Flashpoint and Agatha's like reverse Flash because it's like she really wanted to let Wanda know that she really is the villain of the story here essentially so. I just dug that it was essentially just a story about more power and just the, the amount of consumption of it. Cause that's what she was after. Right. Cause my whole thing is, and I don't know if I'm the only one, if this is a crazy theory, it is so be it. But I love that when they showed Wanda's like beam of energy, just come out and she's creating like Westview. I kind of took that, that that's her like calling out all these other forces maybe in the process. Cause they never mm-hmm. really explain how Agatha got there at least. How I took it, I just took it that when Wanda created Westview, she opened up this whole other like world of like beings that could pop up there. So I didn't think it was out of the realm of possibility that Agatha was just somebody that saw power and she she sensed it and she mm-hmm. wanted it. So that's I don't know if I'm alone in that or but so wait, no. it's an awakening, yeah. sure. Or mm-hmm. she was like a beacon, right? Yeah. I think Agatha at some point in time just kind of says like she sensed yeah. that witching power or whatever, right? And That's she right. seems to yeah. be a bit of a, a vampire for that stuff based on what she did to her coven. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. It, it's something that, and I agree with you, Zeddy, that the, the, the concept of, of Agatha, and I think Catherine Hahn kills it too. Mm-hmm. It, it works. It incredible. all worked for me in this. And, yeah, and they kind of put her on the back burner too, right? Like maybe we'll come back mm-hmm. to you later when we have a big Doctor Strange Wanda crossover thing and and you know maybe multiverse madness who knows they they definitely didn't kill the character off and I like the way that they put her to bed. Now now Crusoe boys let's open this up a bit and we'll open up this the whole floor too because you know Zeddy and, and Carlos have nicely framed this out for us to talk a bit more about Wanda herself and the transition from Wanda to the Scarlet Witch and them actually putting to screen a a scarlet witch i will say with 
the mm. little crown, it, it worked. It worked for me. Did it work for you guys seeing her embrace that side of her? And as we'll talk about maybe in a few minutes here, is this a Jekyll Hyde thing? Is this a Wanda Scarlet Witch or is she the Scarlet Witch as she exits WandaVision here? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to let you tackle that because we talked about this, but she looks spectacular. Mm-hmm. It just, they nailed it. 100%. Perfect delivery there. With she looks spectacular. She, perfect delivery. I mean, unbelievably. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't perfect know, delivery. I didn't know how they were going to pull it off. You know, like, you know, cause you, we saw her with the Halloween costume or whatnot, but the, the costume department, you know, really the CGI, the via, everything was top notch mm-hmm. in the show. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really nitpick about anything, but I want to throw this to you because we had talked at length about on the phone from your job about Wanda. Is <laughs> That's she amazing. Is the witch is the witch a separate minutes. entity or is it Wanda? So you go there because we we talked a long time. Yeah. So if Kristen Kamala is watching this, I was working. I swear I was just <laughs> yeah, also talking yeah. to him at the same time for twenty five minutes. It was technically lunch, but my lunch was ending. Anyway, so um, <laughs> two parts to that uh, one, the suit reveal was incredible and it's up there with me in terms of how i felt for the aquaman one um other suit reveals are amazing but just the way those scenes play out and mm. the like final stamp that they give the aquaman one and now scarlet witch is up there for me just because how it looked because i didn't expect them to go that no, way no i did not expect them to go that way and it man it works it it works it looks fantastic i have like three screenshots not in a weird way but i'm like wow it works don't laugh Zednik. <laughs> but um for me i'm with oh. you Tim. i it was my belief it's jekyll and hyde mm-hmm. um i feel like the end credit was she's trying to live her life and that that entity is doing that yeah and the whole conflict of dr strange too because i don't believe the mcu has done some great character work and there's times when there's characters where i go why did you let them go that way like my biggest example and people may disagree and that's okay i think thor had an incredible arc and infinity war he's my favorite character he's my favorite thing that whole movie him and thanos it's 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 his movie and then the end game stuff i was always like i I, I get what you're trying to do but i don't believe feige's gonna make her full-on villain i don't think so because i think the reception she got they're looking to make her more of the face I think Feige really looks at the audience and I think he sees, Oh, our Mm. plan was maybe Larson, but people seem to like Olsen more Mm. and people might like Rambo more. So let's shape it around. Let's put her in Captain Marvel. So I think it's going to be the Scarlet, Witch is the villain and it's Wanda's battle battle to fix that. Mm. And strange Mm. has to help. And strange is going to end up being the guy who's going to help her. Will he show up in his own movie? Close the portal. Stop that. Um, <laughs> et cetera. So I'm with you. I think it's a, a I think it's a Jekyll and Hyde thing, which yeah. could be cool because it makes it more complex, right? It's yeah. not just yeah. like Wanda has new powers and now she's throwing a tantrum again and now there's a bad thing. It, it's more interesting if there's this internal battle because even she says to Monica at the end that she can't control it, but she's going to learn. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to see the biggest learning curve in the MCU. And, and she's reading a bad book. And she is reading yeah, a bad book. Goals. It's not Dark a good goals. book, Carlos. No. That book is bad. You put that no. book down. If you see that book, it's your house. 
just like Dr. Seuss. Don't open it. I will will not open it. Do not open. We got to call the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'm right there with you. I think that putting the bounds on her power set, like I was saying before, through this Jekyll Hyde thing, I think it makes for the character to be a whole heck of a lot more compelling. Mm-hmm. And the 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 idea of chaos magic and all that, I think it's cool to explain the past, but I want a more focused Wanda going forward, and I think that's yeah. a, that's what they're going to give us. And it, it's it's very intriguing to see where this character is mm-hmm. going to go. I think I always thought she was going to exit as a Scarlet Witch and as the villain of the Multiverse of Madness. Um, who knows what we're going to get with her? And it was very explicit. Feige was like said right there she's in the multiverse of madness wandavision leads into the multiverse of madness and so we're all trying to make these bridges here but mm-hmm. i think we're in for quite a ride with wanda going forward in the mcu now zeddy carlos mm-hmm. is does this character does this character get pulled off like this in the absence of elizabeth olsen Ooh, no probably not like she did a spectacular job and even just the transitions episode to episode Mm-hmm. with the different styles of acting and the different tropes for how women were portrayed and those eras and whatnot. I think there's very few actresses that could do it that well. You couldn't put Brie Larson in the <laughs> first six episodes of WandaVision, I don't think. No, it's, mm-hmm. it's very hard. I think Elizabeth Olsen, you know, you boys, the V39 are going through golden globes and all this over at let's go zeddy is this is this someone you're putting in there Mm -hmm. for for next year's award season look the other two olsen sisters might have stole your heart in full house but (laughs) lizzie olsen completely blows me away in wandavision no question she is emmy winning elizabeth olsen the 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 gloves need to do the right thing and just give it to her now just mail to her house (laughs) it's hers all right just just do the right thing yeah just do it uh, I mean, what she was tasked to do with this series. I mean, like, how can you not walk away from seeing this show and not want to give her, like, the utmost praise? I mean, n- she should not have been able to pull this off. She really should not have. And she did it impeccably. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, You know what? To be honest with you, I'd argue at times the end Wanda we see in this, not Scarlet Witch, but the end Wanda is maybe even the weakest of all the Wandas. To be honest with you, Mm. from an acting perspective, like everything she does, that in-between moment, that transition moment, I find that is where she is at her weakest. And that's not a slight at all. Like her weak is everyone else's strength, right? Yeah. (laughs) And it's I'm I'm really looking forward to what they do with this character going forward. There's so much in here, guys. And, you know, we've, we've walked through, I would say, most of the highlights here. But let's go around the table one more time before we take maybe a couple minutes to talk about what's next in the MCU, what we're anticipating here. So I'm going to throw it to you first, Carlos, man. Final thoughts on on WandaVision. And if there's anything we didn't touch on that you want to throw at the guys here, let's do it. Ah, final thoughts. Uh, you know what? If we're doing the round table, I think we throw our ratings in this uh, section yeah. of it hey. too. So uh, yeah, man, you know, we went through a journey with this show and episode eight, it made me a believer. Like I could take or leave a lot of the stuff that we had leading into it, but that eighth episode 
is some of the strongest stuff that we've ever seen in the MCU or just in like superhero programming period, full stop kind of thing. So yeah, man, like this show, it's going to be a solid, ah, you know what? Like B plus a minus for me, use an R rating system. And it's a, it's a let's go under your rating system. But that episode eight, it's a gotta go. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I would recommend, like, even as a standalone episode, I think it almost works. Like, you could plunk anybody down in front of it who's familiar with the characters to some extent and be like, yeah, this is the bad lady and we're going to walk through Wanda's origin and and off you go kind of thing. And uh, Eric, she wasn't that good in Room. There's better actresses that could have won that award that year. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's playing the antagonist in the comment section tonight. <laughs> he's gonna get his own, he's gonna do his own podcast, isn't he? The Captain yeah. Marvel podcast, hopefully. <laughs> I don't I, I'm positive that he's sitting on the other side of this because every comment I make, he, he's got some witticism. He's wearing his penguin costume from the iceberg lounge. Here he is. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's coming after me. <laughs> the Batman is coming, Batman is coming in a year. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's right, baby. That's the thing right. I do love about this is that we're building our own podcast connected universe. There we are. <laughs> the ins and outs. Ins we're and doing out. it the right way. We're not rushing it. You know? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> wow. Zeddy, man, I'm gonna toss it to wow. you. So in the nerd room, we do mm-hmm. a bit of letter grades, but feel free to letter grade it and then also throw the let's go ratings in sure. there. And then give me your final thoughts on this. Yeah, so I'm gonna give this thing like an A minus, which for me, I guess I'd have to give this a gotta go, just because it was like, it was the perfect storm for me coming hot off of like the Mandalorian. Uh, I'm back in the MCU. I'm ready to see what's coming. I loved how mystical it was. I loved the mystery behind everything. The performances were just heartwarming. It it kept me wanting to stay up till two in the morning almost every Friday, which is almost impossible uh, for me, especially being a young guy, you know. But uh. Uh, I, I was just into it every week, and what I'm looking forward to now because it Hard sets it up me. beautifully, guys. Yeah. Easy for you, <laughs> right here, baby. Right here, baby. It is coming, cool. baby. There it is go. here. Falcon and Winter Soldier. I couldn't be more hyped. Let's do it. Let's go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Zeddy bringing the hype for my dude, Cap Falcon Winter Soldier. Bring it on. But let's let's wrap oh. this up. Crusoe boys, Let, let's hear some of your ratings and your final thoughts. On yeah, I mean, again, just to talk about Elizabeth Olsen, when you the, the highest compliment I could play pay to her is that I can't picture anybody else in the role. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's like the best thing you could say. The show, it's been a long time since maybe I mean, I would like to say Game of Thrones, I guess Game of Thrones lost that I was so riveted week to week. And I'm going to miss that because I, as much as I think I'm going to enjoy Falcon and Winter Soldier, I don't think it's going to reach that level. All the nuances, the mysteries, hard to top this, man. It was great. It's a solid A for me. I look beyond all the periphery stuff that I didn't like. It, it didn't affect the main core story that they hit a home run with. And I would give it a let's go for sure. I mean, it's I'm going to miss it. I really am. Mm-hmm. And we know we're not going to see her till the end of the year, possibly in Spider-Man 3. Um. It's probably the most thing I'm eager to see is her continued journey. Um, it's huge. It's huge. Nico, man. It's a GG, baby. GG. <laughs> <G-G. laughs> yeah. It's got to go. Uh, letter grade. It it's is a Golden a. Globe. It's an A, and, and you're, you're darn right. <laughs> about that soon. Um, letter grade A, number nine. 
Um, I say that because I, I still have the utmost respect that they told a story that they wanted to, the way they wanted to from start to finish. And man, they gave these two characters mm. a level of depth mm-hmm. that, I mean, I can count on a few fingers, other people in the, what other characters in the MCU have that kind of depth. And we got it in this really cool mm. eight week span. Yeah. And we filled in her gaps, justified some stuff, and then put her in a really interesting place to move forward. And just the writing. I mean, they they now have now given me some of my favorite lines in the MCU, especially with, you know, w- what is grief, but love, persevering. Almost in film period. Almost, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So the way I was moved and when I, I, I did full transparency, I, I, I did cry at the end. Cause when they're walking back to the house, I'm like, she's going to give them all up. They're going to die per se. And I cried when Robert Downey Jr. Hung it up as Iron Man. I cried when Iron Man died. Cause I knew he was going to be done. And that was a really cool arc. And it was a great sacrifice for his character. I cried at the end of WandaVision because I did not want to let them go. Mm-hmm. I did not want to let the show go. And that's how I know I really like something. It made Wanda probably the most interesting character at the MCU in the moment and one of my favorites going forward all time. Uh, she's right up there with like Evans's cap for me. Like she's she's in that top god tier. Um, and if she doesn't get an Emmy, SAG, and Golden Globe nomination, I will set the Hollywood Foreign Press Academy and not <laughs> Academy. The I'll set it on fire. I'll set I'll set it on fire. like that. How are you gonna do it? Like like. like how she does when she fights Agatha. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. I love it. It's top 10 MCU content for me at the moment. Cause now it's content. It's not just films. It's technically Mm. content now. Yeah. You got shows, TV films, you got animated. It's canon top 10 MCU. Don't let Martin Scorsese hear you calling it content. No, I will fight. I will fight Martin. (laughs) I love him, but he needs to respect this stuff. Yeah. I'm going to echo all those thoughts, guys. I can't add too, too much more. It's what you guys are saying. I'm an A for this. It's a let's go for me. It's got to go. It's I, I came into this on fire. That first episode, you can go back to our live stream with the oh, boys. Man, it's hype. Yeah. It's and hype. Like, I'm on, I'm on little fire. And I felt that the work they did throughout this justified my enthusiasm for that. It was about the big payoff for me. I knew going into this, that those first three episodes, yeah, they're a bit slower paced, but I was anticipating the payoff and yeah. they delivered for me on every level. And the, the, the thoughts that you guys had about Vision and Wanda in particular, what they do with these characters, where they put them, they mm. gave us an exciting and extensive and an in-depth emotional journey with these characters, but then also place them in places where we're excited for the next steps. That's hard to do mm-hmm. without hard to do. stellar writing and attention to detail. And the fact that they did this in this weird, askew, sitcom, black and white transitioning and complex narrative, like hats off to them. That's why it's getting an A from me. It does everything I needed to do. It filled that void in the MCU for me as well. Mm. Like I've been clamoring for this stuff for like over 600 days. And now I've got it, it weekly or I had it weekly. And to deliver something to this extent. And I also have to pass in the comments, my wife, she's big fan of the MCU, but isn't in the same space as we are. She doesn't come at this thing yelling and screaming every single week. Like I do, but she loved this beginning to end. That's awesome. That's great. That's awesome. And she wanted more, 
you know, it's, it's, she had similar thoughts to, to Super, Superman and Lois too. And so I, I take that. And, and Carlos mentioned this on, on our podcast, that as kind of the real litmus test for something like this is someone can come at this from the relative periphery and enjoy it, consume it, mm-hmm. love it, ask the same questions that we're asking. It's a real success. So this, this works for a broad audience. This works for mm. super fans. This works for everyone. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's something special. And I'm looking forward to what's next. You know, Zeddy, you teased it. Let's let's talk about some hype. Falcon and Winter Soldier, <laughs> we've got a couple yeah, of weeks. What is it? Two <laughs> weeks? We got one off week. And then yeah. we're back into the episodic MCU. Like, <laughs> Zeddy, man, where's your hype level at for Falcon and Winter Soldier? Can it be higher than my ceiling? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, can yeah. Really what? Yeah. <laughs> no. This this no. cap, baby. Let's go. This yes. cap in America, baby. Cap is back. Chris Evans might be there. He may not. Let's do this, baby. Yeah. That shield. I, I missed that shield, man. I missed that too. shield. Let's go. Me Let's too. go. Carlos, man, is there a special story here in Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be told? Oh, man, definitely. First off, Eric, love you, baby. I just uh you contribute a lot to the chat tonight. And it was awesome. Oh, but uh, Eric, you're fine. Oh, yeah. yeah, come on, Eric. We're just joking, man. Just as much you're as you. I got, I got a taste of your, your humor the other day on Twitter, and now I understand it. Yeah, all good, baby. Drink it again. <laughs> I'm just not logged into the are, chat. Are, are you sauced, bro? Are you sauced? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't logged into the chat, and I was like, if I hit this button, will nice it kick sauce. me out of the live stream? I don't know. So I didn't want to take the risk. But uh, yeah, as far as Falcon and the Winter Soldier, man my hype level is off the charts. Like I'm super looking forward to where they go with Zemo. Cause I think he's one of the mm. most compelling and interesting characters yeah. in the MCU period. Like I, I just love his backstory that he's just some guy on the ground in Sokovia and he has this life changing event and he basically dismantles the Avengers completely and thoroughly over the course of like, two, three movies kind of thing. Like they're still dysfunctional because of the things that he put into place. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And uh, this summer, man, when uh, you guys dubbed me the, the, I went from being the goddamn Batman to being the goddamn Falcon when I had to take over for you <laughs> for a couple of weeks. Like, I don't know what, what happened, but man, I have a insane love of Anthony Mackie as the Falcon now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, dude, I, I can't wait to see where they take this character and it sounds like they're going to play with some pretty bold material mm. over the course of this story. And I can't wait for it, man. I can't wait for Kevin Feige and the MCU to take some big swings and make some big yeah. statements. And yeah, yeah, dude, it's, it's going to be awesome. And like for, for a dude like me who grew up loving superheroes his whole life to see, person of color is like front and center and headlining the show that's huge so yeah yeah, yeah, man i think Mm -hmm. with falcon and winter soldier where we might not get and we probably will but maybe not the same emotional depth and the the addressing of of grief and what that can do i think there's an avenue of of social commentary that that Mm -hmm. show Mm -hmm. can and will provide for the mcu and for a, a much broader audience i think you know if you if anyone read nick spencer stuff with uh sam wilson cap and all that mm-hmm. and some of the commentary with uh ta-nehisi coates and what he did in some of those books that there's there's some real powerful stories to be told in that captain america world while sticking with that high octane captain america stories that we have seen in civil war 
Winter Soldier and going back to that sort of contained universe. I'm really excited for that. Crucible Boys, last thoughts. Excitement yeah, I mean, for I mean, Soldier. Yeah, I think that you're right. It's going to be socially relevant. I think the action is going to be top notch. I mean, it looks, whatever we've seen, it looks fantastic. But the only parallel that I will compare it to WandaVision is that I think we're going to see these two characters developed oh, yeah. similar That's my goal. to what Wanda and Vision were. And they are two great characters that, again, have been underutilized in the MCU. And that's what I'm most looking forward to. I know it's going to look great. It's going to sound great. And it's going to touch on some things that are going to really hit home. But to see uh, Bucky and Sam develop at the level that Wanda and Vision did, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, I, I, I'm so excited for when they resurrect Superman, and then when Darkseid comes, man, it's going to be crazy. And I just. <laughs> It, it's well, funny well, that you say that, Ben, because a small piece of my anticipation for Falcon uh, and the Winter Soldier. What are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I was important. caught in a moment. Are, 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 are we got, not talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League? Moment. It's like Bono said. Are we not stuck. talking about Zack Snyder's Justice That is Dark Side's coming. Somebody get the time stone and we and we wind over here. We wind. Guys, we got to wind it back. Wind it back. Where's we got to unite the seven? No. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Where's the comments? Where's Holzman in the comments? Okay, no, he's fine. Where's Holzman in the comments? No, I'm more excited for it for like my dad just said the where they could bring Sam and Bucky now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they'll do it to the same extent that they did for Wanda and Vision for me, I but but I think they're gonna do it more because Wanda and Vision even had a little more towards the end there than Bucky and Sam did. They're sort of Infinity mm-hmm. War and Endgame. They're sort of just there. Whereas yeah. in Infinity War, like Wanda and Vision had a little more of their like had to Wanda had to like kill him and whatnot. Um, I'm pumped for Zemo. I'm I'm mm. with you, Carlos. And now that he's gonna wear the mask and everything, I'm yeah. so hyped. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 very much down for it. And the action looks next level. And I like the buddy cop thing that they're trying to do. I've I've always been fascinated by their their relationship has always been very entertaining to me. I like it in Civil War a lot, so I'm very hyped for it. What what, what did you just grab? Oh Zemo. Oh Zemo. There he he is, just wants guys. to grab Zemo. I got my Zemo. Oh, I love it. I, <laughs> look, that's I awesome. hope he wears. He's gonna look similar, power. I think. You know, but no, he's, I'm. I'm. He's I'm moving. Very he's moving closer to the shelf now in a in a couple of weeks. So beauty. I'm very hyped. Right. It's only six though, so it's but even it's though longer. they're gonna be longer, yeah, longer it's yeah. still gonna be like we had that eight week hype. Now it's gonna yeah. be shorter, but. Mm-hmm. But the yeah, the production value on this one looks it, it looks oh. like basically a. It looks insane. a big screen movie that's been chopped into looks like James Bond, right? Yeah, it looks like it's high thriller, look like anything that right? it's, I've been it saying this for a long time that they Feige said, or Iger came down and said, Feige, I need some shows. And he said, Well, I have this Falcon Winter Soldier movie that we're going to do. We can put this into a show if you want. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. And it's funny, like Nico, you, you were joking about that, but like, well, let's face it, none of those guys listen to our show, anyways, but like a big piece of my hype for Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that it's like Sam coming down on that guy at the end of Endgame where he's just stabbing the heart with the wings because mm. that's what this show is going to do to this malarkey that is Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League, man. <laughs> you mean the greatest comic book film of all time? 
It sure as hell better than <laughs> be Sam. Get in there. <laughs> it may be the greatest trilogy. <laughs> no it's gonna be, no it's gonna be something. And you know what, guys? <laughs> no there's comment. Some, there's some there's some discussions to be had on that <laughs> one for sure. And, I can't wait. And I, I think the uh what's that called? The podcast connected universe, whatever it is, th- there's definitely gonna be some discussions over the next couple of weeks as we oh, build yeah. into PCU. Zack Snyder's Justice League, the DC Extended Universe, <laughs> Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Look, it's great. Call it whatever you want to call it. We've got a lot coming yeah. down. We've just ended, you know, arguably one of the best superhero shows ever put to screen. We've got another yeah. one coming, and we've got a four-hour-long movie, and then we've also got Superman and Lois. Yeah, we've oh, got the comic him. books. We've got everything coming at us. Not to mention Godzilla vs Kong. Loki, Black Widow, like, come on, like, guys, what kind of world are we living in right now? It's it's a beautiful world. It's a beautiful time to be podcasters. It's a beautiful time to be fans. It's it's the golden age. I say it. It's it's brilliant. And the age of heroes. It's it's (laughs) that, yeah. (laughs) It's the age of podcasters. (laughs) But, gentlemen, I'd like to thank you guys on behalf of myself and Carlos very much for joining us tonight to discuss the season finale of WandaVision. I love that we're able to complete this journey full circle with you guys, and we look forward to taking those next big steps in the MCU, DCEU, wherever. You know, we're, we're going to be attached to the hip going forward here. We've had a lot of fun discussing tonight, but I'd like to give you guys an opportunity for those that are listening on the podcast feed, for those that are listening elsewhere after the live stream, let them know where they can find you guys every single week and your social handles and everything you guys are up to. Go ahead. Pick it uh, up. Why am I fr- so much first. pressure? Uh, you can follow me here. I got it right this time. <laughs> yeah. I use the right hand. I got it here on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and somebody else's favorite letterbots because everyone's favorite is Zeddy's. We all know that. Um, you can follow our show, us three, um, at the Vigilante1939 on Twitter. Uh, he's wearing a shirt. So is Carlos, my man's right there. And then, so we do shows every week, just like it's these awesome. guys, except us. That's so you don't buy your own material. You, know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find us there. I also yeah. do, uh, film and TV reviews for the let's go podcast. That's at the let's go podcast or go to the let's go podcast.com. And I have a couple other shows with there with some friends as well, but I won't waste too much time. Dad, you they can, can find you here. You can follow me there. I just yeah. follow. Everybody. He just likes to talk. <laughs> I'm on my vigilante show. We have something coming up, but we'll, we, yeah, but we, yeah, we'll talk about that. That'll off. be later. And then we'll make an announcement. So stay there. tuned. Cliffhanger. Comes later. Cliffhanger. Just like Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Zeddy, oh, man, where can everyone find you? And what else have you been up to lately? Oh man, I'm not going to leave everybody on a cliffhanger. I'll tell you where you can find me. Uh, so, you can find me at Papa Z underscore 95. I am literally everywhere. Uh, I'm on Let's Go Marquee. You are the official mo- movie and TV show that I co-host with Nico. You can find me talking about movie trailers uh, with Emmett Davis called The Hitch. The Big uh, Grizz. You can also find me on this bad boy right here where I spearhead this ship that sometimes always goes sideways, Vigilante 1939. It's, it's always a great time. We got so many things in the pipeline. And guys, I got to say, you know, I... Uh, I know we've done this three times, and I, and I know they say that you should sometimes stop after a trilogy, but 
Mm-mm. when the quality is so good, you know? You're right, you're right. Why, why, why stop now, you know? I know, so, man. Like, we, we might have bangers, but we, we pay them off in the future. We always pay them off, baby. We always pay them off, baby. There's nothing to restore because we're going strong. <laughs> we're going strong. We don't go back in the past. We are That's we right. are inevitable, baby. That's <laughs> right. Back and all comes back. Man, the references are off the chain right now. <laughs> did you see our one guy, Ian, how he did the shirt? That was so cool. Oh, uh, yeah, Ian. Dude. Yeah, big oh, shout out. Nerd, the man. Big shout out to Ian. Dude, that I was literally so awesome, man. love Ian. Wait, That's awesome. Yeah. I love Ian's that. the best. Yeah, big shout out to everyone in the comments. I know we didn't get yeah. too much here. We had a, a lot to get through. So, yeah, big shout out to Ian, Eric, everyone who's out there. Shout Emmett, out. I know you're in the chat there. Our boy Chris. Chris, Chris Evans, the real Chris Evans in the chat as well. <laughs> big shout out to everyone here. My wife's been texting me. So big shout out to my wife. She's been texting me all her thoughts yeah, about that <laughs> as we go. <laughs> so absolute blast, guys. And and for us, myself and Carlos, you can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net. You can follow myself and Carlos. It's, it's at the end of the show. You'll get it as I, as I drop this into the feed. And, you know, Twitter is is the place really where we do a lot of hanging out. Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of discussion. have a lot of fun discussion and a, a lot of discourse around the stuff that we love and keeping it positive. So, guys, mm-hmm. thank you again so much for joining us. WandaVision is in Thanks the rearview. We've got a lot to look forward to. And until next live stream, until next episode, thank you guys very much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out the nerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.